This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Back with part eight of our 10-part season preview series on the 2019 New York Jets, looking at the 10 biggest questions that will determine whether or not they could finally end their playoff drought. If you missed the previous episodes, they are all available on this feed. Uh, We have seven others that have ran the previous seven days, one focusing on Sam Darnold, one on Le'Veon Bell, one on C.J. Mosley, Robbie Anderson, the offensive line, Chris Herndon and Avery Williamson, and Leonard Williams. We have two more to go after today, and then that will lead right into our season preview show uh, on week one for Jets and Bills. A reminder that we're recording this in the Vivid Seats studio and to use promo code OVERTIME when you use the Vivid Seats mobile app for $100 off your first purchase utilizing it. Take advantage of that. Our always other reminder Please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Podcasts is also available on Spotify, Google Play, TurnTheJets.com, and is shared out through my Twitter at JCaparoso, our Instagram at TurnTheJets underscore IG, and our Facebook, Facebook.com backslash TurnOnTheJets. Today's episode, we are going to talk about head coach Adam Gase. And if he can learn from his struggles in Miami and turn them around uh, into becoming a successful head coach for the New York Jets. Just like all the other episodes in this series, we're going to go for about 20 minutes and then we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Uh, Our final two are going to focus on the pass rush and the cornerback position. Just want to wait and see how some of the final bottom of the roster churn shakes out before we record those episodes. So, Adam Gase. Unpopular with Jet fans when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Unpopular with Jet fans when he was a prospective option to become the head coach. Since then has became very popular with Jet fans, as is to be expected. Fans of teams are going to understandably work to rationalize decisions their franchise make. And Gase, you know, has came off as someone who is insanely intense about football. Uh, has came off well on things that the team have have pushed out since his disaster. I wouldn't say disastrous. That's not fair to him. Problematic or widely memed opening press conference. Uh, I think he's done well from a media perspective since then. Uh, And I think fans are generally optimistic about him much more so than they were four or five months ago. uh, With the reality that he hasn't done anything on the field yet to, you know, change the opinions of him. So, Gase is a rarity in that it's not common for an NFL head coach to be fired and then immediately get another job as a head coach. Usually they revert to being a coordinator, go to the college level, take a couple years off, and then circle back around to that job. Uh, It's not a common situation where people find success, and ironically, some of the recent examples of coaches not finding success are related to the Jets. Rex Ryan going directly from the Jets to Buffalo, where he was fired before the end of his second season. Um, Eric Mangini going directly from the Jets to Cleveland, where he was fired also after two seasons. Uh, And then further back in the day, Herm Edwards was actually traded from the Jets to Kansas City, uh, where he did make the playoffs once, but uh, didn't last a lot long. I think he went three total seasons with the Chiefs. Now, of course, there have been 
other examples of this not working and examples of it working. Andy Reid is probably the most recent example of it working where he was fired by the Eagles and, you know, has found success consistently with the Kansas City Chiefs. Although, again, Reid was much more successful with Philadelphia than Gase was with the Miami Dolphins. Gase, the Dolphins coach for three years. Uh, first year went 10 and 6, got them in the playoffs. They were knocked out in the first round. Previous two years, 6 and 10, 7 and 9, uh, finished out with a record of 23 and 25, 23 and 26 if you count the playoff loss. Um, you know, I think left with a reputation for being difficult to work with and particularly stubborn, although out there is a general current of respect it seems to be at least from people within the league or people who cover the league about his offensive acumen uh, and his intensity when it comes to his job uh Gase really was pushed into the spotlight from his time with Denver and the success he had working with Peyton Manning also you know was relatively successful considering the circumstances with the Chicago Bears uh, before he ultimately became the Miami Dolphins head coach had a very impressive first year and then had a lot of turnover that you know the past two years and was kind of in a situation where he had a lot of personnel control but there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen uh, moved on from a lot of veteran players uh, didn't seem to be widely liked in the locker room, but I think it depends on who you ask because I think we've gotten a lot of mixed messages from people who played with him, work with him. Some have loved him, some have disliked him. I would suppose that's fairly common for most people who are uh, head coaches in the NFL. Really, what it comes down to ultimately is going to be win and loss production. And, you know, the Jets really hired Gase to work with and develop Sam Darnold. He got this job ultimately because he is supposed to be a quote-unquote quarterback guru, offensive guru, whatever that means. Uh, He did some okay work with Ryan Tannehill, who's far less talented than Sam Darnold. Uh, And, you know, Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning. I think he's going to be great, whoever he's working with. So it's kind of hard to, you know, assess, assess that. I don't think there's any doubt that Gase is going to be a better offensive mind than what the Jets were working with with Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles last year. The question is, how good is he going to be? And is he going to learn from the things that didn't work in Miami uh, while building on the things that did work? So when we look at his tenure and we dig a little deeper, he was a guy who was 20-6 and six in games that were decided by eight points or less, one possession games. Really impressive uh, and something the Jets have kind of struggled with in recent years. The question is going to be, is that a sustainable stat or is that something that's going to regress to the mean? Um, if Gase can keep that up, the Jets probably do figure to be in a lot of close games this year. Uh, that's a really encouraging thing. Now, on the flip side, he's 3-19 and 19 in games where the outcome is decided by eight points or more. So basically, a lot of what we saw in Miami was they would squeak out a bunch of close wins, and then they would get blown out you know, every week, every two weeks or so. And we saw that with how they kind of wrapped the season last year. You know, They were you know, a 7-6 and six team who was theoretically still in the playoff mix and then really got blown out down the stretch. They lost 42-17 in Week 17 to Buffalo. They lost 41-17 to Minnesota, who didn't make the playoffs, and lost another game to a pretty bad Jacksonville team who didn't make the playoffs. Um, again, when you look at the talent that he was working with, I wouldn't say Miami was stocked uh, by any means, and I do think that relative to the town on the roster, his his record is reasonable. 
Um, I think the point differential is a little troubling, having the 29th best point differential during his tenure. Again, uh, is it sustainable to you know be 23 and 25 with that type of point differential, or is there some type of regression in the mean coming? Basically, you know, from a DVO, DVOA perspective, Miami was much worse than their record actually indicated. Um, when you look back to a couple of games they won last year, you know they beat the Jets by a touchdown despite Spencer Long having 19 botched snaps and Sam Darnold having the worst game of his life. And they won the Miami Miracle, which, you know, it, that's a once-a-decade type of win. Um, are those kind of games going to keep happening for Gase? Um, a problematic thing with him as well was the tempo that they played at. Uh, you know, they had a very, very slow offense. Now, the justification for that is, you know, retroactively been that Miami just didn't have a lot of talent and they were working to protect that lack of talent by slowing the game down. You know, to Gase's credit, we've seen in the preseason the Jets play substantially more up-tempo. Um, and hopefully that's the case because he did play up-tempo when he had offensive talent in Denver. And I would hope, and all Jet fans should hope, that they are going to play up-tempo this year because that should play to Sam Darnold's strengths and play to the strengths of the offensive flexibility that the team has. Uh, it does seem that Gase and Darnold have a strong working relationship at this point, but you know we'll know when we actually see them out there. I don't think there was any doubt Sam Darnold was going to get better from year two uh, the, compared to what he was year one. The question is how much better can he get and how much further can Gase push him? And is Gase going to be flexible moving beyond things that aren't working and not be stubborn about it? Um Or is it going to be you know some of the similar things that were problematic in Miami? I think... You know, in watching how he built his coaching staff, you know, the the bringing over Dowell Loggins as the quote-unquote offensive coordinator, even though Gates will be calling the plays, uh, you know, bringing over a couple other people from a, a generally unsuccessful Miami staff, you know, the hire of Greg Williams was interesting, and he was very open in saying that he wanted a head coach of the defense. And, you know, I know something that's bothered Jet fans a lot in recent years is, you know, Rex Ryan basically just becoming a head coach of the defense and Todd Bowles just being a head coach of the defense. You know, it seems Gase has been very open that, you know, I'm going to be the head coach of the offense and Greg is going to be the head coach of the defense. And at the end of the day, there's only one head coach. And Gase, whether he likes it or not, is accountable for the full team. And I think, you know, Greg Williams... The Jets are kind of short on talent on the defensive side of the ball. There's some big personalities there. We know Greg brought his son along. We know uh, Joe Vitt is on this staff. So it, you could get frustrated about it you know, for, if you're a Jet fan from hearing about it, but on paper it's a combustible situation, and it's going to be on Gase to manage those personalities and manage the whole team. You know, When you're the head coach, you're not just an offensive coordinator. You've got to be you know, sort of a CEO of the organization. So you know, we saw Gase... You know, credit to him recognizing what a lot of us recognize right away that Mike McCagden uh, was not the answer at GM and was really incompetent and did what he needed to do to get him out. And I think Joe Douglas will be an upgrade. Uh, the question is, um, you know, what is the timetable that Gates will be working with? Um, how does he get along with the media and with the rest of his staff if this team starts out a little slow due to their schedule? Do they actually play up tempo? Uh, and does he get out of the habits of you know clashing with certain veterans and kind of playing favorites and maybe playing guys who shouldn't be playing uh, quite as much? You know, we're gonna see. You know, I, I've been pretty open with it. I did not like the hire. I will be. My mind will be changed when Gase wins more than he loses. I certainly think that. 
Gase will be a better offensive mind for Donald to work with than Jeremy Bates. I think he'll be an upgrade in that regard. I think this could work out. Uh, but I just need to see it. And seeing it as, you know, winning games and winning games that the Jets aren't really supposed to win. It's not, you know, coming off really good in, you know, an interview in Sports Illustrated or an episode of One Jets Drive. I think we got to see the results. And I think it's fair to be skeptical of Gase at 23 and 25 until he goes out and has a winning season. You know, this is the NFL. You're supposed to win and win fast. And, you know, for Gase, if he can't get over 500 this year, you know, three straight years of being under 500 as a head coach in the NFL, uh, that's really going to put him up against it uh, in 2020, and rightly so, because you need to win in this league. So, you know, my hope is that, and what every Jet fan's hope should be, is that Gase is someone who struggled the past two years because of the organizational chaos in Miami and because Ryan Tannehill just stinks. Now you're going to put him in a more quote-unquote stable situation with a GM he had a hand in picking in Joe Douglas and a much more talented quarterback in Sam Darnold. And he's going to get the best of what he was in Denver uh, to produce a highly potent offense that's able to cover up for some of the defensive depth chart shortcomings. He's going to have a strong working relationship with Greg Williams and the rest of the coaching staff. uh, And the Jets are going to overachieve to what most people's expectations are for them, which is to win... I would say about seven games. That's our over-under in Vegas, 7.5. So, you know, getting to nine wins, maybe even getting to 10 wins and, you know, getting back to that level he was at in 2016 um, and, you know, showing that he can be a little more flexible uh, with how he runs a team, with how he runs an offense, with the tempo of an offense. And if that's the case, then the Jets are going to be in really good shape. Uh, what you don't want to see is you don't want to see someone who lets things spiral if this team starts, you know, two and four, or two and five because of their difficult schedule, uh, is clashing with the media nonstop and doesn't push Darnold to making that big of a leap. Darnold's going to be better this year than he was last year. I'm very, very confident in that, but we want him to be much better. We want him 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards passing. Uh, you know, flatlining on turnovers are going down. We don't want just sort of that baby step. We want a big step. We want that year two Carson Wentz, Jared Goff uh, type jump. Uh, and we want him to be one of the best, you know, quarterbacks in the AFC because if he is that, then the Jets are actually going to be a contender this year. And if he's just, you know, pretty good but still kind of inconsistent, they're probably going to be a 7 and 9 team because there's a lot of other holes on the roster. So, you know, Gase is in a situation where when things go sour, he will be the first scapegoat. Uh, Douglas will have a much longer rope than him here. He's on a longer contract. Douglas gets basically a full pass for this year. He had no say in really how this roster was put together. He came in after the draft, after free agency, after the undrafted free agents were signed. You know, you can make some tweaks here or there like he's done, but next year is really when his clock starts. For Gase, you know, he's sort of a year behind. And again, he is now in his fourth straight year of being a head coach in the AFC East. And if you go three straight years not a winning record, not making the playoffs. I think 2020 is going to be, you know, do or die for him. And people can get mad about that all you want, but I think it's fair. Um, I think, you know, at a certain point, like, you just got to win games. And no one wants to hear the qualifiers or the excuses of why you're not winning games. And, you know, I think no one's saying that if he goes 8-8 eight and eight this year that he should be fired. Or if he, Unless the Jets, it's a very fluky 8-8 eight and eight where they're out of it early in the year. Uh, but eight and eight, nine and seven, he's definitely going to be back. I would say seven and nine, unless it's something surprising. He's probably back. In my mind, they go six and ten or worse. I think you you cut bait and move on. Now, I do think the Jets are going to exceed six wins this year, so I do think Gase will be back in twenty twenty. But if he does not make the playoffs this year or is not over five hundred, 
I think 2020 is going to be a make-or-break year, as it should be, because you only get Sam Darnold on a rookie contract once. Uh, so now is the time to maximize that window and win. Um, and with Gase, look, I, again, I, he is going to be calling the plays. You know, he really is kind of wearing a lot of hats here, right? You know, he was operating as the interim GM. He's operating as the offensive coordinator. He's kind of operating as a quarterback coach, it seems like, a little bit. But he's the head coach, so he's in charge of everything, the defense, the special teams. And, you know, he can choose to delegate that how he sees fit. But at the end of the day, there's only one head coach, and there's only one person who goes out to that podium every single week and is going to be held accountable for whether this team is winning or not. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how that shakes out. 